Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into the message from Sunday, which was about the phrase from the Lord's Prayer, uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Um, and we're going to be talking about just the nature of prayer in general and just what this phrase means for us as we live out our faith. Let's get into it. So what you were reading opened with, don't be like, for, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Mm-hmm. So automatically, and what I wanted to open with, and maybe this is a little heavy to open, but why pray? That's a if great we, question. If we believe in God, mm-hmm. and I think I know the answer. I want to hear what you think. Um, why do we need to pray? Yeah. That's such a great question, um, you know, because we do believe in God and especially as United Methodists, we believe in prevenient grace. We believe in grace that's there before we need it, that God is working in advance of us. I personally feel that we pray as a reminder to ourselves, um, you know, as a way of and not just like just as a reminder of who's in charge and who's not like, not that we have to go to God and ask for permission, but yet that we acknowledge that God has the role that God has in our lives. You know, we pray to form our own hearts and our own identity around what God's up to, you know, like, like, you know, talking about the Lord's prayer specifically, like thy will be done. Thy kingdom come stands in opposition of my will and my kingdom. And I, and I have to say those things, not so that God will do what God's going to do in the first place, but so that I am reminded that it's God who's in control that, you know, and so I turn to prayer and also because I believe that God is able to do to do the things that we're that we're asking for if they're aligned with God's will. You know, God isn't a vending machine where we can just ask for anything and we'll get it because that's not how God works. But, you know, as long as things are aligned with the will of God, you know, we turn to God as a way of encouraging each other and as a way of reminding ourselves of the role that God plays in our lives. Yeah, and the way I always think of it is that it gives us a kind of a, a task list, not a task mm-hmm. list, but but the things in life that we should be focusing on. Like when you sit right. down to pray, I always feel like automatically my brain goes to, okay, what are, and it's totally got to think, but what are the things in my life that I really need to focus on? Mm-hmm. Not not the, let the Vikings win, let the Jacks win, not that right. kind of stuff. It's how best to raise my kids. How should I treat other people? Um, those kinds of things that actually are foundational to, to you know, to, to growing in our faith and and producing a world that we want to, that God wants to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that part of prayer that we miss is that you know the the listening part in prayer is just as in, in even more so important than the talking part of prayer. Um, you know, because God is with us. We believe that to be true, that God is with us, that God is near. And so, you know, part of prayer that is important and overlooked is, you know, just taking the time to just pause before God's presence and, you know, soak in what God has in store for us, you know, what what God wants to say, um, you know, and that's not necessarily an audible voice, but, you know, it, it's a nudge in your heart or it's a, you know, you just, I, I find that when I'm doing a really good job of the listening part of prayer, I end my prayer time knowing the next step, the next thing, the next right, you know, thing that God has for me to do. And that's, you know. That is not just sheer force of my will. That is yielding to what God has in store for me. 
makes perfect sense. I think the other part of the answer that I would give is that we pray because God told us to. I mean, God has given us very clear instruction that God wants to be in relationship with us. And part of that is taking time to be with God, patterning our lives around recognizing the presence of God that is with us always. You know, and we pray the way that we do because Jesus told us to. I mean, you know, Jesus instructed us on 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 how to pray and, and why to pray and what attitude to bring into prayer. And then even if that wasn't enough, you know, told us exactly what to say, you know, and it's my hope that that leads to a greater conversation in prayer. Like, you know, we take the Lord's prayer as a model and then expand it out into a, into a more robust prayer life. But when you're just getting started or when life is weird and you don't know how to pray, Jesus has given us words that then bring us into that deeper into that relationship. Jesus didn't just tell us how he showed it. I mean, he, he led by example. And so absolutely. Yes. If we're to believe that Jesus is the most important, mm-hmm. then we sh- should probably try to do what he did. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh. No, I think that makes perfect sense because I think that ties so, so easily into thy will be done because it, it is like we talked about, it is God's will for us to pray, obviously. But when we pray true, you know, if when we pray sincere prayers, mm-hmm. our mind and our hearts automatically focus on, okay, what is really the most important thing to God? What's not that we don't, we don't worry about the petty things. We don't worry about the superficial stuff. We worry about what God actually cares about and what's actually going to make a better world. Mm-hmm. So now I think that, I think that's really important for people to understand. I agree. Nice. Would you cut? Yeah. So um, there was just kind of at the end of the sermon, um, because of where we were for time on Sunday, um, I, I did have more on um, God's will and God's vision for the world. Um, I had an entirely um, entire an, an entire additional scripture reference to pull in, um, you know, because we are we through the word of scripture, we are given a glimpse into what God's world is going to look like or what's what God's ideal world looks like, um, the world that we are to be be creating and be a part of. And that comes from Revelation chapter 21, uh, where mm-hmm. John is given a vision of the new heaven and the new earth. Um, he writes, uh, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them. and They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There'll be no mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have all passed away, which is Revelation 21 verses three and four. Um, you know, I was going to read that whole reference and talk about like, this is the world that Jesus, or this is the world that 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 we are like claim, that, that we are laying claim to when we pray thy kingdom come, God's kingdom come. This is what God's kingdom is going to look like. There is going not going to be the human, you know, ick of of our lives, you know, and and then I use that to transition to talking more about how we get it wrong. Um, you know, when we try to we we try to bend the world to our will, um, you know, when we're when things get off course is uh, because of what Francis Spufford calls the human propensity to foul things up. You know, we have this human propensity to mess things up. We, you know, we we have this sin nature. We have we've damaged the relationship and we we do have our own sense of will and we do have our own sense of vision for what the world should look like. Um, you know, and we just we 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 get in the way of that sometimes. And so it really does have to be this intentional laying aside of our desires 
in order to bring forth God's desires. And like I said on Sunday, the ideal would be that those two things would be aligned, but because of who we are, they don't, they aren't always. Sure. Why did God give us our own will to begin with? Like, wouldn't life just be easier if we didn't have that? It would to a point, but God wants authentic, authentic faith reaction from us. And so if everything was just aligned with God's will and we were just in this complete deterministic, you know, hellscape or where God was just in control of every action all the time, always, that wouldn't be real. Our faith wouldn't be authentic because God is the one is, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a puppet master moving us as marionettes. And that's just not how it works. So God gave us this gift of free will to you know, and then to, to, to turn our hearts and then to find, to find rest in God. And so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, I agree it would with be that, easier if God was, it just would be, control. yeah. So you brought up revelation 21 revelations has got to be really hard to preach on, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. And to try to try to understand all of that just has to be mm-hmm. you get the bulls and all the stuff and animal goofy looking animals and, like that has to just be a challenge. It really is. And especially because like John had a reason in mind for the thing. And, and, you know, God had a reason in mind for the things that he showed John, um, you know, that we then have taken and made into something that is not what it is, um, you know. And so like, you know, and because we were raised in the we're kind of the left behind generation, uh, where mm-hmm. the left behind books were really great and were really important to us. I don't know if they were important to you, but I know I read them all. Um, sure. you know, but that's just one vision of eschatology and not necessarily um a biblically accurate view of eschatology, the study of the last things. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but uh yeah, so you have to kind of unpack all of the layers and really dig into what God was trying to accomplish in that was to give the people hope as they were facing the, uh, the ongoing oppression of the Romans just felt like it was, you know, you know, it felt like it was just inescapable. But mm-hmm. yet God had this message of no, I ultimately win in the end. This is nothing, you know, and so and then trying to extrapolate that out into our world in our day and say, yeah, there are things that feel like they're never going to change. And there are things that feel like they, they're going to have the ultimate victory. But no, at the end of the day, God wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is God's kingdom that will come and everyone else's kingdom that will yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I like, I mean, it's, it's that heaven on earth mm-hmm. situation, just, it's not completely foreign to us. Right. You know, is what, what you got to take out of that. And, and it'll be a lot like what we're already experiencing. It's just, yeah, without sin. So it's obviously way better. Right. Yeah. Without sin, without brokenness, without, you know, cancer, without, you know, I was talking, I was actually teaching on that text at one point in time with my, with a, with a former congregation um, when I served in Burke and I had a member whose husband was, was really struggling with neuropathy. And then we were talking about a world with no more pain. And she just started crying because she wants that so badly for her husband. She's like, I can, I can just lay such great hope in that because I see the pain that he's in every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, I just cannot wait for that, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. There's to it. You know, and when Jesus told his disciples about, you know, this prayer, um, obviously he had that in mind, mm-hmm. but it had to be foreign or, or 
hard for the disciples to really understand what he was getting at with thy kingdom come. You know? Yeah. You know, we can we can extrapolate, hey, from Revelation, this is what this kind of means, but right. Yeah, because the idea of the kingdom was so foreign to the disciples. Mm -hmm. It remained that way, too. Like, I was just teaching on um, the Ascension passage with my group going through the Dynamite Prayer Study. Um, We were Mm -hmm. talking about the word word power um, in that, in the way that 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 word operates in that that passage. It's just like, you know, the disciples start off this moment of, you know, Jesus preparing to ascend into heaven by saying, okay, but like, no more screwing around, Jesus. This is the time that you're going to give the kingdom back to us, right? Like you've been talking about this kingdom this entire time and we still have this vision of, you know, militaristic battle and winning and, you know, kicking the Romans out of our, you know, out of our land and really being an independent nation all over again. And this is the time, right? And Jesus is just like, no, this this is the kingdom power I'm giving to you. This is something different that I'm giving to you. And they well, and, and that, it. that's completely understood from the disciples because you know when you read through the Old Testament, that's all yes. it was was Israel going and and battling all these places to keep the promised land or to yep. get into first and then yep. keep it and then get you it know, back and, and then get it and yeah. then they lose it again because they're idiots and we can go back and forth and mm-hmm. which we are too. I mean, yep. we're no different. So absolutely. But yeah, to be at the disciples, it, was, it makes perfect sense why they were thinking that way, because that's oh, all yeah. they've ever known. Yeah, even that's the difference between thy kingdom and my kingdom. You know, Jesus doesn't establish the kingdom in the way that the disciples anticipate. They have to give that up. That has right. to fall by the wayside in order for the kingdom of God to be built. Right. What else we got? Kind of, kind of had a hard time organizing the message um, this week. Kind of just felt like I had a bunch of chunks that didn't necessarily like flow as well as I wanted it to. Um, did you get the sense that it was kind of herky jerky, or how did it? Co- how was it received by by you, a listener? No, I thought it worked fine. But it's yeah, a lot of that to me is how it's presented, and because you go more conversational in how you present a message, not just reading it off the page, right? Like I do. Um, I think it can then you can wash through some of that herky jerkiness and yeah. And, and and I know that's just in the speech and not in the content, but I think that helps a lot. Right. How people hear it. I think people connect with that more than, than the topics, especially because when you have children tracking all of that stuff. Um, yeah. It's hard. So it's yeah. always herky jerky to you, me anyway. You mean that entire army of kids in the back of the church isn't just sitting and listening to every word <laughs> yeah, I right? say? Not oh, even it was my terrible own kids. Sunday. Um, why did you feel it was so herky jerky? Or what what did you feel that you could do better? Uh yeah, I just some of the transitions felt a little bit, you know, hard. And also I feel like like I I'm more I'm more comfortable if I get into the scripture teaching um, earlier in the message. Um, but like trying to find and I didn't feel like I had a really smooth transition into, you know, these are the this is the 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 thy will be done, thy kingdom come. And then into like, you know, the stuff before the Lord's Prayer in the Matthew's gospel of like, you know, the Jesus is teaching to this crowd. It's not just because in Luke's gospel, it's just Jesus and the disciples and the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew's gospel, it's the entire crowd that came to the Sermon on the Mount, which was a large number of people. We don't, we're never told the, the exact headcount, but 
We know that it's large enough that Jesus had to be up on a hillside in order to be amplified to the crowd. And like, that's a different audience. Um, you know, Jesus is giving a, not, not just giving a prayer to the disciples. He's giving it to all people that at that point in time, and just, you know, some of the other teaching on prayer and just like the attitude that we bring into prayer. I just didn't feel like I had a smooth transition from here's the part that we're focusing on to here's kind of the broader context. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I, I mean, maybe I, maybe I smoothed it out just kind of in, in, in how I, you know, was able to finagle it on Sunday in delivery. Mm-hmm. 12 years or whatever it's been of experience really helps with that. Yeah, it does. Um. But that's, that leads me to a good question. You know, often in the Gospels, things don't exactly line up mm-hmm. you know, of the same story. So is this, is this two, you know, Luke's version versus Matthew's version, is this two different uh, instances of teaching this prayer? Or is it the same told different ways? I believe that it's two different incidents. I, I believe that, you know, the, the conversation in Luke is a much more intimate group. I really think it is just Jesus and the Twelve. Um, that, that, you know, that, that the 12 disciples noticed that, you know, John's disciples pray and they don't, and they, they, they don't yet at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm guessing it was Peter because that's what Peter does is Peter's the one that stepped up and said, you know, the thing that needed to be said and said, Hey, Jesus, we want to do this. Can you teach us mm-hmm. but rather, you know, and then I think that Jesus, I mean, as communicators, we all have those, I mean, kind of greatest hits, if you will, or like things that we, you know, teach in one setting, but find important in another setting. Or like, if there's a sermon illustration that works in this sermon, that doesn't mean that it doesn't not work in another sermon down the road, you know? And like, I don't think that, that the Lord's prayer is simply just a sermon illustration, but I think it is a natural progression of Jesus's teaching. Um, to say, you know, this is what I taught to the disciples, but this could be beneficial for everybody. And so I'm going to, I'm going to use it here in this instant too. What do we got next week? Yeah. So next week we're digging into uh, the next set of uh, Jesus words, or actually really the next phrase of Jesus words. Give us this day, our daily bread. Um, the uh, idea that God does provide for us, that God provides for our physical needs. And so we're going to dig into some of Israel's history of how God has provided for their physical needs. Um, but yet knowing that that phrase is more is about more than just the bread. You know, it's about giving us what we really need for the day physically, but also spiritually and relationally and just everything that God provides for us and realizing that God's provision is going to be there for us on a daily basis that we can trust it. Um, not just on this day, not just when we say this phrase, but every single day, God is there for us. There is a there is a consistency of God um, that we can and should put our trust in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yep, awesome. I'm gonna give out bread during the children's sermon too. It's gonna be awesome. Perfect. So, yeah, awesome. Well, sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Uh, sorry, it's a little bit late, but join us again next week for uh, in person at 10 a.m. in the church or on Facebook Live or back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.